Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. Tron Conquest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz. Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim. And you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Hello and welcome to the TalkHouse Podcast. I'm Josh Modell. On this week's episode, we've got a pair of artists who got to know each other over the course of the pandemic and who got together in the same room for this chat, which is still kind of a rarity these days. Sarah Tudson and Alex Leahy. Now, Sarah Tudson is best known as the mastermind behind Illuminati Hotties, the band she started as sort of an extension of her production and engineering work, which includes contributions to albums and songs by Boy Genius, The Armed, Eliza McLam, and many, many more. As Illuminati Hotties, she creates pointed, sometimes funny, always catchy songs that she once described as tender punk, which is kind of perfect. Check out a little bit of Frequent Letdown from Illuminati Hotties 2020 release, Free IH, an album slash mixtape that comes with an interesting backstory you can find online. New music is supposedly forthcoming pretty soon, so keep your ears open for that. Now, Alex Leahy was born and raised an ocean away from Tudson in Australia, but she's been spending a lot more time in Los Angeles recently, as you'll hear in this chat. Leahy has been releasing great records since 2016, and her latest set of punky animated breakup anthems called The Answer Is Always Yes is actually being re-released in an expanded edition with some bonus tracks next week. Check out the ultra-catchy On The Way Down right here. These two chat about the philosophy behind Leahy's album title, The Answer is Always Yes, as well as thinking about whether a creative career beyond music makes sense for either of them. They talk about the relative unpopularity of guitar music at the moment and speculate whether either of their songs might someday get crazy big. For the record, I don't think it's much of a stretch at all. Enjoy. Wait, should we establish our voices? Maybe you should talk in my accent and I'll, I'll talk in your accent. Yo. Uh, Dude. <laughs> Hello, mate. Uh, my name is Sarah Tudson. My band's called Illuminati Hotties. My band's called Alex Leahy. And we're, yeah, stoked to be here at the Talk House. It kind of feels like a very formal, branded version of the conversations that you and I have all the time. Exactly. Structured playtime. Exactly. Yeah. For context, we're in Los Angeles. Sarah and I are very close friends. And we're going on tour together. And we're going on tour together. Yeah. But um, but we like talking shit. And especially, <laughs> which I guess is like the whole premise of this podcast. Yeah. Mm. Talking shit with your friends. Exactly. So, um, you know, I guess we could talk about anything. I did re-listen to your album, your new album that just came out this summer or end of spring. Yeah. So good. Thank you. Obviously. That means a lot. The answer is always yes. And yeah, I had a lot of questions sort of like listening back in 
like an analytical sense, which obviously I d- try my hardest not to do with my friends' music when it comes out because I want to enjoy it and be a fan. And then last night when I was re-listening, I took my time with each song and tried to really like get to the depth of the album. And the record is like very optimistic at its like core, I think. But that is all sort of like cloaked in like self-deprecation and all of the sort of things that as musicians we, we, we rely on, I think, emotionally and express in our in both of our music. Mm. So I found it quite interesting to like be listening to each song and trying to like think about how it relates to the title and how it relates to you, just like how I know you as a person um, and how I'm perceiving you from the outside as an artist. Um, This is a very long way of saying I was sort of like had all of my layers of the brain meme coalescing, you know, galaxy brain to like ascended level, whatever, like (laughs) coalescing in this listen. And I was curious sort of what you feel now being removed from the album release about the message. The answer is always yes. That's a very interesting question. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if I still like if I've had enough time to like get hindsight on that yet. I feel like I'm sort of sometimes slow to come to hindsight. And I think that that's why like usually when I write songs, the writing takes place quite a while after the fact, like of the event or the thought. Like it sort of takes a while for me to come to conclusions about things. And I don't know if that's like because of a lack of decisiveness or just because like I dwell on things or I don't want to address them. I think, like, a good challenge to give myself is to try and be more immediate, like a more immediate songwriter, perhaps. But the funny thing about the phrase, the answer is always yes, was that, like, the line itself existed before the feeling. I just thought it was an interesting line, like, when I wrote it. And I quite enjoyed how, like, definite it was within itself. I feel like in the last couple of years, there have been, like, a lot of records recently that have been put out that it's, like, everything is great sometimes like you know there's like there's all of these records that sort of have this like like they like unqualify themselves oh yeah you know or they kind of like they contradict themselves and I was kind of a bit over that I was like why can't anyone just be sure of something yeah you know and that was sort of like the reason why I wrote the line I was like I wanted to write a line that was like very sure of itself to a fault yeah yeah because the answer is not always yes but the attitude is that the answer is always yes you know there's a difference between the fact and the attitude and for me like it was about figuring out like what that attitude is about and what it is designed to be used towards sometimes like maybe it's like the answer is always yes is a creative thing like you know you just like lean in and go for it or like it's something when it comes to like life or a part of life and I think like At this point in time, like the way that I've distilled it is in a more holistic sense, which is like, if you don't approach life with your default answer is yes, whether or not it ends up being that, like it kind of all comes to a grinding halt. And I think that for me personally, like post-pandemic Al is like, you know, having come out of lockdowns in Melbourne and being super like isolated from the rest of the world for so long as someone who usually lives a life that's quite transient there's something within me that I think has been trying to make up for lost time and in order to do so you just have to say yes to everything I didn't really know you before the pandemic yeah I mean I knew of you obviously I think we may have been we were like internet internet friends friends. Yeah. yeah but like you know we really became close during and as the pandemic was ending and you were coming out to America more but you know 
at least where I see you in life, like I find that you're very of the character of person where the answer is always yes. And and I find that you're always up to something and you're always scheming. You're always like have a mischief about you. That's in a, in a positive way. That's kind of, that's great. Seeking fun and seeking adventure and, you know, turning over the rocks to find something new, I guess, or, you know, it inherently like, you've made a decision to spend so much time out of your hometown in a completely different country. Like that in itself is like a big yes, really affects your life. And also, I guess I find it interesting, uh, sort of like what, what you were talking about with other people sort of saying like, yeah, stuff is great, kind of sometimes, like being very indecisive in their writing. I think people are fearful, you know, for many reasons. And like the fact that our lives are so online and so public and visible even if you're not a person in in the public eye as far Mm -hmm. as like an artist or a celebrity or whatever like you still can have a footprint that's like very visible to people that you haven't talked to in maybe 15 years so there is like a sort of a fearfulness of like what people are willing to put online or say or do in their lives which is all thrown out into the wind in this record you mentioned sort of like looking for more, correct me if I'm wrong, more in your life that is that lives outside of music maybe yeah. or in a cre- different creative space or whatever. But you had a, a hesitation about it and a, a, a little bit of like a, but I don't know. And it's interesting because I think like artistically that doesn't exist in you and you're going full tilt, you know? Yeah. Whereas like in this sort of side conversation, there's like a little bit of like a, you know, like yeah. kicking the jets to get on the track kind of thing. And like, what about that is scary or like, you know, like being a beginner, I guess, at something or starting in a new lane or a different lane. I mean, first of all, like the way that you described or you you know, described your perception of me was enormously kind and it's pretty much verbatim, like how I would describe my perception of you. You know, one thing that I've been doing these past couple of years is like I have been taking on a lot of risks in my in my life you know like you said I'm spending more and more time outside of Australia which like inherently has you know all sorts of risks involved in it you know I'm away from home more I'm away from my people back there more you know I'm (laughs) trying to navigate you know the US dollar and like you know like (laughs) it's financial risk and like all that kind of stuff and and the reason why I've taken on that risk is because I you know I feel enormously privileged to be in the position that I'm in as an artist, to have the opportunity to be an artist every single day. And so why not try and explore, you know, the an, a, a part of the world that arguably has the most opportunity for someone that does the things that I do? Mm-hmm. And also because, like, why wouldn't I take that opportunity? It's like I've been granted this sort of, like, amazing gift to come from this island on the other side of the world and explore what's out there, like... I feel a responsibility to kind of like take that opportunity. Huge. But then the thing that can really stunt you, which I am trying to overcome or not even like face as a possibility of happening, is that when you are granted so much opportunity after taking so much risk or as you take on so much risk, I do wonder if like my capital of taking on risk is exhausted, you know, I don't think it is, but I think that that's a trap that someone in my position could easily fall into. It's like, I don't have capacity to take on any more risk. And the risk that I think we're referring to is like, I've sort of been umming and ahhing about, <laughs> um, <laughs> umming and ahhing is a term that 
Sarah always makes fun of people. <laughs> what does it mean? I'll hemming, never know. Hemming and whoring. Hemming and hawing. Hemming yeah. and hawing. Hemming and hawing. <laughs> anyway, I'm still in the relative early stages of my creative career and pursuits as a human being. And I don't want to get bored, you know. And I wonder, I th- I've been thinking about recently about diversifying like beyond music. I don't know what that looks like. And that's scary. But I've been thinking about it a lot recently. You can muse about this thing forever. Oh, we all yes. know that as creative people. Do yeah. you, what, what is piquing your interest? In what worlds? I'm quite curious about like, I mean, film and television is like a passion of mine as a consumer. Right. And I am very curious about lifting the veil in that world and what that kind of looks like for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know in what capacity, but like. Yeah, I am curious about it. And also we're in Hollywood, baby. Hollywood, baby. <laughs> we are literally in Hollywood. We right are now. literally in Hollywood. Yeah. And like, yeah, I do like, I wonder about that. And again, it's that thing. It's like when you have come, you know, X thousand kilometers or miles or whatever, like, you know, around the world and it's like, and you find yourself in the entertainment capital of the world. It's like, shit, like I want to make the most of this. But what does that look like? You know? But then it's like, is that irresponsible? Should I just be here to do the thing that I'm, you know, supposed to be doing? But I also think now more than ever, like, I think creativity, it's like, like pan creativity is at at its peak, you know, like it's all feeding into everything. And this is something I'd be curious to ask you about, like the breaking down of genres and also the breaking down of roles, especially as someone who makes music, which is, you know, that's your life. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it goes further into like the breaking down of disciplines especially in like indie world Mm -hmm. we are asked to do everything we're asked to do everything and even major label world i think they're asked to do a lot more than they may have been asked to do 10 or 20 years ago when there was just more money and more infrastructure and more opportunity to hire a crew to get all these other responsibilities off your back but even 20 years ago the indie musician is still like you want to, you know, if you're like, oh, I want to make a tour documentary, then it's like you give one of your band members a camera. Yeah. And it's not like, OK, that means we get five camera people in the van and they come mm, with yeah. us. It's like you kind of have to figure out the puzzle pieces. And I think that has become part of the sort of multidisciplinary pan creativity. We're pan calling creativity, it. Or, or yeah. Does it excite you? Or do, I, or do you resent it? Both. I think yeah. like it's cool because... I love having creative control, and I think that that allows max creative control. But I also think that I, up to this point in my life, I've chosen to be a specialist, which, you know, for some, in some ways, that's awesome. And in some ways, I think there's a box and, like, maybe a more renaissance person would, would not think about where their skills start to fade, you know? Yes. Whereas, like, I kind of have practiced learning how to be good at what I want to be good at. Yeah. And up till now, that's that's been making music, you know? Yeah. Um, Is it anything more specific than that? More specific than just making music, yeah. period? Not really. I think I do feel lucky that I've been able to sort of like approach it from multiple angles. And the fact that I hadn't set out to be an artist allows me to be like, to treat my artistry as a separate job than my production and writing and engineering career, I guess. Yeah. Because I always wanted to be a producer, but I didn't think that that would mean half of my life touring and being, you know, running a band and running a business and all that stuff is very much like 
at the top of my checklist every day, you know? Yeah. Uh, but there's a big part of me that wants to, like, buck the monoculture of, like, saying, uh, you know, there is no genre, so is everything one genre or is everything no genre? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. There's a big part of me that doesn't want th- there to be no borders, but then there is a part yeah. of me that is, like, that's dope. Like, how how much more exciting is it if you don't have to be, like, I am a guitar player. Yeah. Now you can be like, I play guitar in a band, but also like the clothes I wear is really cool. And now I have a fashion yeah. side thing or a modeling thing, mm-hmm. or I'm really interested in gear. So like now I have this rack of, you know, wall to wall guitar pedals in my apartment and people just send me stuff and I demo it on Instagram mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, like I I feel like there's just so many lanes and that is even a, a narrow lane that yeah you know, I just described. I feel like it's almost the paradox of being a punk. Mm-hmm. The Sarah Tudson story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The punk yeah, yeah. Para- like, paradox. I would describe you philosophically as being a punk, mm. you know. Yeah. And I think that there is something so paradoxical about punk culture where it's sort of giving the finger to the world. It's like, fuck everything. Like, you know, it's, it's sort of like an almost like a nihilistic, like kind of like part of punk philosophy and existence. And, and it's sort of like, you know, nothing means anything. Fuck this. Like, just, you know, just be... But then, like, it is, and I'm not saying that you're like this, but, like, there are punks that I know who are like, yeah, fuck the the walls and, and genres and stuff. And, like, what is punk, you know? And if we're defining it as, like, essentially, like, street cred in this mm-hmm. conversation. Or, like, real, realness, you know? Like, yeah. that like that kind of, let's say, like, we're calling punk that. Like, we also are, both of us, pretty logical people I think in a lot of ways and there's a zoomed out part of our perspective which is like yeah like I want to be punk I want to be so anarchical and not give a shit about anything but also like I think we both love the comforts of like living in an apartment that we appreciate and like having a couch and like eating at a restaurant but also that's realistic and it's and it's us saying like yeah like we do need to like do this stuff to take care of ourselves and to like ensure that we have like a way to like be alive every yeah. day. And I think that like the sort of prototypical punk persona is not thinking about that, you know? Yeah. At least of like thinking about like what is authentic, what is like anti-establishment. It's mm-hmm. like we ha- we do have to play in the establishment a bit right now, you know? Yes. Yeah. But I also feel that the establishment is sort of this, like, swaying building, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, it really does feel like that. And, you know, like, and I feel that we've been seeing it, and we've been talking about this a lot, like the SAG strikes and, like, all the the Hollywood writer strikes and all that kind of stuff. And it's been such an interesting comparison, like, to compare that to being a musician and us, like, you know, who are super vulnerable, you know, in this day and age. Yeah. Do you feel that the sort of fragility of those, you know, of the establishment that we are working within the frameworks of, because quite frankly, we don't have a choice. Yeah. Do you feel that watching that sort of sway in the wind is informing your approach to creativity, whether it's like IH or otherwise? Yeah, 100%. We have a choice every single day to be like, some form of like like micro rebellion or something we make choices every day like of do we buy a t-shirt on 
uh, Amazon.com <laughs> or do we or do we go fucking walk down the street yeah. and see what local shops are offering yeah. or see what the Goodwill has, like, you know, whatever. Like every single day you're making choices like that. Every single day we're moving through the world in the confines of capitalism. I couldn't even think of an example to make that wasn't including buying something. Yes. And that's just the way America and sort of the like larger first world is working right yeah. now. But I think we at every every choice we have to make, we have like a chance to be like more thoughtful about it or like say like, you know, like, do I need to act in this way right now? Or maybe I could do something that's more of like a public service or make use of the the parks that I live near, make use of the yeah. community. There's just so many ways to move about the world. And it's hard to sort of cross-reference that with like what at your heart you feel is like the most important way to be acting. I'd heard people use the phrase like late capitalism before, but I don't feel like I really grasped what that was kind of until this year. And I think and I think we did hit a tipping point globally in that way, but especially spending time in the US, like, yeah, really understanding what that means. And I think that like, especially for people who work in entertainment like us, like seeing the strikes that are going on. Yes. And like, yeah, the organization behind the writer strikes is really so inspiring, though. Oh, it's it's so impressive. It's amazing. Yeah. Ran for president, man. Ran treasure for president. Bring it on. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. I, I wish, I think that there's something that we can do as musicians that could yeah. mirror that. I think it's going to be trickier just because, like, the scope of music is so wide and mm-hmm. so accessible. And you know what I mean? Like, to be an actor, you kind of have to be like in a world of people and connections and whatever or to be a writer especially is like the rooms are small and they're closed Mm. and they like everyone in that world knows each other yeah whereas to be a musician like you literally you know there's some what is it there's like seventy five thousand songs a day that get uploaded to spotify it's something yeah it sounds some obscene amount and and that's not including YouTube or SoundCloud or anything else. Yeah, it's amazing that there's that much like opportunity to just freely create and 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 give it the chance to be heard. Yeah. But then I think like what's getting scary is the value of that, you know, being heard is less than ever and it's like therefore unsustainable even for people who are being heard. Right. Hey, this is Josh Modell, host of the Talk House podcast. We love it when musicians come on the show and talk about process, and often they'll get into the nuts and bolts of being a working artist, which can sometimes be fun and sometimes feel more like a business. Well, this episode of Talk House is brought to you by DistroKid, which is an amazing service for musicians looking to get their songs out into the world in an incredibly smart and cost-effective way. For the past decade plus, DistroKid has made it easy to get your music on all the streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Instagram, and more. You keep 100% of your earnings minus a flat yearly fee, which is a better deal than you'll find anywhere else. More than a million artists use DistroKid, and the latest version of their app is better than ever. It includes features that make it easy to see your account details, including the money you've earned, as well as to seamlessly edit things like lyrics and metadata across platforms. There's even a feature called Instant Share, which allows you to easily share files with your bandmates, booking agent, playlist curators, and more. DistroLock allows you to protect your songs. DistroKid users get a YouTube official artist channel, too. The list goes on. The DistroKid app is available on iOS and Android. Go check it out today. 
Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. So you just got back from a long tour. Yes. Really long. It was quite long, yeah. Yeah, two months. Something like that, yeah. And you're about to do more. I'm about to do shows with you yes. in Australia. I'm taking Sarah to Australia. It's Which gonna is going to be so sick. Thank See you. how I live. Yes, I home. can't wait. Yeah. And then you have Europe, right? Yeah. This is a two-part question. How? What is your plan of attack to be heard? And how do you feel best heard? Poor. I feel like we should, like, I'll, I'm going to, like, throw this question back at you, like, <laughs> afterwards. I feel like there's m- multiple chapters in that. Like, I think the first and best thing you can possibly do, or in my opinion, is to just write the best music that you can, you yeah. know. And I was, kind, and I was actually going to ask you a different, like, we'll circle back to this as well because I had a question for you about that. But be, And again, like you were saying, beyond that, the stuff that you have to do as an artist is so very, like it goes into that pan-creative thing. I'm sort of at odds with what the best way to actually be heard is beyond making the music, right? Because I feel like artists are getting funneled into these expectations, you know, of of the establishment that is sort of like, well, the best way to be, to get the music heard is to do this stuff that is kind of unrelated to the music, mm. make TikToks and do blah, 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 blah. I feel like I don't have much agency or control in the success of that, which makes it really hard to commit to doing it. Yeah. And if your ego isn't fragile enough already, it's sure as fuck is going to be after you, <laughs> after you start spending all this time and energy doing that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. Some people are better at it than others, and I certainly think that I'm in the others category. <laughs> <laughs> but from a less cynical, like, viewpoint, I think, like, just standing by the music and, like, and playing shows. Like, I think for my project in particular, like, the best way for the music to be heard and to get people talking about the music is to is to play it and to play it live. I think that one thing that, like, the quote-unquote Alex Leahy project, like, is about is about creating spaces. Mm. And I think that over the years we've done a really, you know, myself and my band and the people I work in, like, have a very consistent belief among us that, like, we have this privilege and this opportunity to, to create spaces for people to come into to listen to this music. And ultimately the music, like, is about, I think, the real, like, cornerstones. It's, like, essentially about, like, being yourself and about, like, celebrating who that is. And, you know, and, of course, there's, like, the subtext of queerness and, you know, blah, 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 like, all that kind of stuff. But I think, like, ultimately that's, like, what people connect to as well. And so, like, creating spaces where people can come into and it's just, like, a celebration of, like, we are who we are and that's a beautiful thing, I think is, like, the most powerful part of the experience of being an Alex Leahy, again, quote-unquote, like, fan. And I think that that's, like, you know, how it gets heard. Um, What was the second half of the question again? Like, how do you best feel heard? Or I guess a better way to phrase that is maybe what makes you feel the most heard? Like, as an individual, I'm actually not entirely sure what the answer to that question is. Do you know what yours is? That's a hard question. Yeah. I didn't ask it thinking I would have to answer it. (laughs) 
is this episode two in like 2025? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> we come back to this. Yeah. I think sometimes it feels like action, like mm. to see like a reaction or an action take place makes me feel heard. Like if I say or sing or write something that I would like to be heard, I feel like when I feel heard is when people not ju- not like I'm not talking about action like comments yeah, in yeah. online or like or like like even even just like feedback from friends or peers mm. or whatever but truly like someone feeling inspired to like do something actionable in their life even on like a s- small level you know if yeah if someone hears something of mine and says like oh like maybe I should look at my life a little differently or just try something that I haven't tried before, like yeah. then I would feel particularly hurt. You used the word rebellion before. And like, I feel like rebellion is to, as an, as an Illuminati hotties fan myself, <laughs> like I feel like rebellion is a real touchstone of like that project and that like character, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, going back to like free IH, for example, yeah. you know, that was an enormous act of rebellion and do you feel that rebellion, like, is it like an act of rebellion like that allows for like the message to be amplified? Definitely. I think it's a little immature, but I do think that if you are pushing against the norm, it's it becomes much harder to ignore something. And like, I think there are people that are better at sort of like leading from a less on the nose or like gauche place of creativity. <laughs> for me, it it seems ridiculous to be subtle in any way yeah other than like for poetic effect you know like that that's the only subtlety that i sort of find in music is like if i i'm like trying to get around an idea and i can do so with like the the language tools that yeah. i have but i still want there to be no subtlety in like the message or the like the yeah, the like rebellion, especially of that record or of really anything. I think that just being who we are, I think already is an act of rebellion and standing on stage with a guitar is is un- unfortunately still, I think, less common in the scheme of like larger music. Like we don't look or act like the people who are celebrated at the top of music. Have you resigned yourself to thinking maybe because of that we'll never be at the top of music? Or do you think our time will come? I would describe us as underdogs. Like, <laughs> you know, I think we are the under... I think there is something, like, quite... And I, and it, it was... It's actually funny that you mentioned, like, that image of, like, us being on stage playing guitar because, like, I got this call for an interview yesterday for another publication in Australia and someone's doing this think piece on, um, like basically how like rock and roll music isn't cool and like basically the world is like moved away from that but there's still like people doing it and like and especially like non-males kind of like leading the charge with like making rock music cool again basically yeah um or not cool but like relevant question mark Um, (laughs) right like what do you think about that because I kind of like don't agree that that's the case it was kind of a weird thing, like, getting the brief and being, like, I feel like you've taken the liberty of ans- answering the question that you should, like, that, you know, why don't we talk about that? Right. Because I don't necessarily, like, I don't necessarily think that that's true. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too idealistic or something. Like, that you're saying it's not true that rock isn't cool anymore? Or you're- I don't even know. Like, mm, 
Like that, that what we like that what we do doesn't have a chance at the mainstream. I see. I, I think. think. Yeah, uh, I think there's always a chance because there's so many things that that will push random ass music to the forefront of culture. There's been a moment for like so many random things that like. I would never say anything like that is impossible. Yeah. I think that it's a completely different, like, fight that we're fighting. Do I think Illuminati Hotties is going to be in the top 10? No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but do I think that, like, me or you or anyone we know that's in this camp, like, as a creator or music maker could be in the top 10? Absolutely. And, like, yeah. you know, like, maybe the branding is needs to be different. Maybe the vehicle of like artistry or something needs to be different but like i don't doubt that like our thing superimposed in some way could be a top 10 record yeah you know like crazy things are happening with the internet like there's like a duster song that's like really popular I love as much as i was ragging on like those expectations to be involved in like those mediums like i do love that there is more than ever an anything's possible kind of like yeah. reality that that comes with those spaces. Like I think I find that quite inspiring. Yeah. And yeah. you can't just be like, I'm going to hit the road for a year and a half and then I'll have five X the amount of fans. That I yeah, have exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, when people, when people like say it's like guitar, like playing guitars on stages in the mainstream, like I always, the image that comes into my mind is just little Wayne on stage. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. With that Emily the Strange yeah. guitar. I'm like, for better or worse, that's a guitar like on stage in the mainstream. So, so true. You know? Yeah. My man Lil Wayne with his skateboard and guitar. Yeah, yeah that's going to be the pioneer of rock and roll. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's so much space for everything. And like I say this, I've probably said this to you before, but it's I do think about this pretty much every day is like, you know, as much as I want to hate on streaming and what it's done to the music industry, before streaming, you're, you had like 20 bucks and you had to go to Tower Records or whatever and be like, I'm choosing between this album or this album. Yeah. The CD is like up to 16 or $18. And so you're going to spend your money on one thing. Whereas now it's like, just because somebody is listening to the Alex Leahy record mm -hmm. doesn't mean they're not listening to the Illuminati Hottie record. Yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, they probably are more likely to listen to an Illuminati that's Hotties true. record because they are interested in listening to your music. Yeah. And that's because they don't have to make a decision. You could flip back and forth. Like it's yeah. literally instantaneous access mm -hmm. and you don't have to have a different level of financial privilege to access mm -hmm. any music that you want to access yeah. online. The issues is like remuneration for those yes. listens. Yes. Do you, like, I sometimes find it funny, like, trying to kind of unlearn and rewire my brain to think about someone, you know, everyone consumes music. Yeah. But the vast majority of people consume it very passively, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes I have to, like, remind myself that we are not those people. Yeah. You know, and, like, <laughs> but it's sometimes important to think like that, mm -hmm. you know, like, kind of cosplay as someone who kind of doesn't, is happy to be, like, shown the way you interesting know. i don't know if i've ever put myself in that position honestly but i wonder like you know like you said you go to the music store with your 20 bucks and to buy a record it's like as someone who's like a more passive consumer of music i wonder what that experience looks like slash if it exists at all i feel like we're sort of like running out of time so to give like 
maybe here's like a holistic way to, you know, mm. kind of help draw us to an end, although we could keep talking for hours. Yeah, literally. But like you were talking about my record at the beginning of this chat and how you feel like it's quite a positive record. Yeah. In terms of how you feel about being a creative person, like, you know, as music, as your medium or otherwise, do you feel optimistic about the future or about or even about your future as a creative human being? I do feel optimistic about it and I think it's only getting easier to make music. Um, As far as the tools that we all have access to, it means that straight up like middle schoolers can do crazy stuff. Oh yeah. And like and then you know myself as a producer who's far and far beyond middle school or high school i wish i had that as a kid and i wish that i was thinking about music more out of the box the way that you can now i guess if, even if you just are in the suburbs and go to a public school and whatever so i feel optimistic about my creative future because i feel it's not an a runway with an end you know like yeah. it just keeps going and like i my challenge then is to like catch up you know yeah and figure out how to keep creating because I love to do that. And yeah. I'm, I have the opportunities to do that. And I've made that a huge priority in my life. So I don't really know what it will look like forever, but I do think that I will be able to do it forever. Yeah. And that's kind of the main dream, right? I think that's the true creative dream, you know, is to, for it to never end. Yeah. Which is also like where the fear lies. Oh man, that's also this the is torture of, too. Yeah, that's also like the source <laughs> of the constant anxiety and self doubt and yeah. blah 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 blah, like all that stuff. Exactly. That, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably experiencing yourself. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's torture. It's it's, but it's very inspiring as well. Yeah, art is pain. Art is pain, man. <laughs> Life is pain. Life is pain. Yeah, but you know, like that is very as a very like zen place to approach it and it's it's not to say art isn't pain in the way that we've been like taught where it's like you have to be you know chopping off your earlobes exactly and and yourself yeah. causing bodily harm or yeah. harm to your life and um but it it is just sort of like a way to be processing and be struggling and like you have to do that in life i feel like in the modern era like the artist pain um like line is I feel like we've come to this other side of it where it's gone from, yeah, art is pain because it's like self-mutilation. Yeah. To like art is pain because we're just trying to survive. Yeah. And it's it feels good to be like not romanticizing that which could endanger our lives more than they are just by being around, you know? Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Talk House podcast and thanks to Alex Leahy and Sarah Tudson for chatting. If you liked what you heard, please follow TalkHouse on your favorite podcasting platform and check out all the goodness at TalkHouse.com. This episode was produced by Myron Kaplan and the TalkHouse theme is composed and performed by The Range. See you next time.